0: Be human, not concrete. The Harden Up podcast with Joel Clapham. G'day, I'm Joel Clapham, the founder of Harden Up and the host of this podcast, Be Human. Not concrete. This podcast is something I'm really excited to be putting out into the world. It's something that's been floating around in the back of my brain for quite a while, and I'm really excited to be able to put it together, send it out there, and see what people think. A little bit of background about me, so you know who I am. I'm a father of three, I'm a mental health trainer, writer, and consultant, and I'm doing postgrad studies in psychology. It's only the first year of a five-year program to becoming a psychologist, but I'm really loving it, absolutely fascinating, and enjoying getting my brain working, learning about my brain and my mind and my body and the connection between those things, and really getting a greater understanding of what it is that makes us so interesting and so unique. This isn't what I always did, though. I used to work in marketing and financial services, used to wear a suit to work most days, and it was a path that I thought was going to lead to a fulfilling life for me. It was going to be able to provide me with the financial means to build a good life. In hindsight, I can see that I was chasing success, professional achievement and success and recognition as a means for feeling good about myself. It was all external validation. And I now know that in pursuing that sort of recognition and validation, I was completely placing myself at the mercy of other people and other things. It wasn't a life that was really setting my soul on fire. It wasn't a vocation that was making me bound out of bed every day. And I know a lot of us can say that about what we do. And I have absolutely no judgment for people who do a job that helps them live the kind of life that they like. There's nothing wrong with that. For me personally, though, I wanted more. I wanted to feel some value, some contribution to something bigger than myself, but also that I was growing and that I was evolving and that there was more to life than just working, doing some fun stuff on the weekend and hopefully feeling pretty happy about stuff. I wanted more. It might be something that I never reach a place of contentment with, and that's okay. I'm all right with that now. I'm no longer placing the complete validation and success on my existence, on what I achieve and what I do, but rather how I feel about myself is the most important criteria for me in evaluating my life. And I'm really, really happy to be able to say that over the last 18 months or so, I am now at a point where I love myself completely. I love the life that I'm building completely completely. I don't feel as though there's anything missing from my life, but I do feel as though there are opportunities that I've yet to pursue and yet to really embrace. And that's really exciting. It's a complete reversal of how I used to feel a number of years ago and for most of my life. I felt as though there were always things missing. Whereas now, and it's more than just a reframe, things aren't missing from my life. Things will come along or I will create or build or find other things that will add value to my life. But the core base existence that I lead is one that I am at peace with. And it's one that I do really enjoy and cherish and have deep gratitude for. It's really, really exciting to feel that. Because to be honest, for most of my life, I did not. So that's a little bit of background about me. In each episode of this podcast, we'll talk about what being human means. And to me, it means acknowledging that all we can ever really do is the best we can with what we know at that particular point in time. And that's it. We're not ever really going to nail life. No one does every single day. And to have that pressure or expectation on ourselves is grossly unnecessary fair and a recipe for disaster really down the track in recognizing that as humans we are imperfect by design and by being vulnerable and open to learning and growing right throughout our lives we're going to be much better placed to see and feel the joy and happiness along the way that we can and we're also going to be much stronger when it comes to facing the challenges and difficulties that are a part of this adventure too nothing is ever amazing forever but it can be something that we can learn from even when it's really shit. Each episode of this podcast will feature a few different and alternating segments. I'm going to be giving you a bit of an update or some thoughts on how I'm going. We'll do a deepish dive and look at an element of psychology, mental health and behavioral science. That might be a concept or a theory or a study or a notable person in that field. I'll share some tools and resources with you that could be helpful or useful. We might take a look at some recent or emerging research in this field and see what we can take out of it for ourselves. And some episodes, will feature conversations with some people that I consider to be good humans. have interesting things to share with us. It's my hope that you might get something useful or interesting or fun out of our time together. I really love any feedback you might have, so please get in touch. You can email podcast at heartenup.com.au or send a message via any of our social channels as well. In this first episode, we're going to have a look through a deepish dive at the concept of locus of control. To set the scene and give some context on why that's relevant and why that's important, I'm going to share with you a journal entry of mine from late 2011. I love journaling. I love writing my thoughts down. I love getting them out of my head and onto the page. But it is a sporadic habit of mine. It's not an everyday thing. I go through phases of writing pretty regularly and then I won't write at all for a few weeks or months and then I'll get back into it. I used to beat myself up about not writing like every day or every second day or even once a week just to have this constant record of what was going on. But now I don't do that. I just write when I feel I need to and sometimes I even push myself when I'm not entirely sure and I really enjoy looking back at things just to see where I've come from. Because I think evolution is learning from the past in order to create a better or more ideal future. So I do like going back now and then to look at different journal entries from periods of time to see how far I might have come or not come from that particular place and that particular time to where I am now. This particular journal entry is from the 27th of December 2011 and it was the day before I turned 30 and here it is. Tomorrow, I turn 30. It's a milestone birthday the first since I turned 21 nine years ago. I've done a lot in my three decades and really I am very lucky with much to be thankful for. I'm married to a woman who I love and I have two wonderful children. My sons are beautiful little men who I know will make many people happy over the course of their lives. I'm hopeful there might be another child, maybe two. If not, then that's okay as well. Professionally, I'm doing quite well in forging a career in marketing communications within not-for-profit financial services, and I really enjoy it. I have a promising future that will unfold in time, even if it might be slower than I would like. My wife and I are building a house together, and should be in, in a couple of months before I turn 31. If all goes as we hope, we'll have a good big family home, where we'll raise our kids and welcome our grandchildren for holidays. All things considered... It's a full life, with blessings in every direction. I'm really lucky, and I appreciate how very fortunate I am. Really, I do. But there's still a gap. There's still something missing. I'm not exactly sure what it is, but I have a few ideas. I'd like to spend the first year of my fourth decade exploring whether those ideas might be the answer. Like all plans, they may not unfold as I want them to, nor in the way I expect them to. But if in a year's time I haven't at least made an effort to try and to identify what the gap is, I'll look back on this as a lost year. And I don't want that to be the case. So it's time. It's time to work hard on these ideas and see what comes of them. I have a feeling in my gut that if I give this a real solid nudge, a genuine shake, I'll be very happy with my life in five years' time. And that's really important to me because 35 is a significant and important age for me and it'll see me pass judgment on whether I've lived a good life or not. Five years, then, to get it right. I don't think I'm all that far off, but the gap I feel at present is critical. It's the at-peace-with-things badge that I've never had. Five years to earn it, and by God, I'm going to work hard. Starting tonight, on the final day of my 29th year, let's go. This episode, I want to explore and share with you a psychological concept that's been an incredible game changer for me. And that's learning about the concept of the locus of control. Now, this concept was developed or first put together or identified by American psychologist Julian Rotter in the 1950s. Rotter developed social learning theory, which is kind of a mix of the two leading psychological theories or movements at the time. Those two being behaviorism and gestalt psychology. Long story short, one of the key elements of Rotter's work is this concept of a locus of control. Locus is Latin for place, and control is control, so translates quite literally as place of control. Basically, it represents where we believe or perceive or even place the power over our lives, over our fate. An external locus of control means we feel that the power over our satisfaction and happiness is controlled by external factors like fate or destiny, or even other people and things like events, circumstances, our socioeconomic status, our job, our home life, those sorts of things. So things outside of us, do they impact and control how we see our life? If we have an internal locus of control, It means that we feel we hold that place of power over ourselves and we have autonomy not only over our own fate, but how we respond or react to things that happen around us. That might involve acknowledging that while external factors might impact or influence how we are and how we feel about our life, ultimately we make the decisions about our response, our reaction. how we interact with everything around us. The most common example that's used in a lot of psychology books is when a student submits an assignment and they get a, a low grade or a low mark for it. Someone with an external locus of control might blame the marker as being incompetent or they might blame the assignment itself as being confused and difficult and impossible. But someone with an internal locus of control might look at their low grade and say, Yeah, I didn't study as much as I could have. Some of the assignment was confusing and I didn't really ask any questions to get clarity. So the mark is a result of the effort that I put in. The locus of control has gone on to become a key part of personality psychology because it helps us identify patterns in our thinking and patterns in our behavior over long periods of time, potentially, not just in response to a one-off event like getting an assignment mark back. Let's have a look at a hypothetical example. In this case study, say you're in your early 40s, you're single... You have children from a relationship that's ended. You might not be in the financial or social position you'd like to be. So that's, that's your lot in life at present. If we have an external locus of control, we might just think this is just our fate, it's the way it is, or we might to a further extreme even say that it's the fault of other people, the fault of other circumstances. We might say it's our ex-partner's fault or our parents didn't give us the proper life training and life lessons in order to build a better life. We might say that our employers haven't valued us and paid us enough. We might even blame people like our siblings or our friends for not supporting and encouraging and holding us up as much as we would have liked or as much as we think we might have done for them if the situation was reversed. So someone with an external locus of control perceives their current lot in life in this example as being a result of things external to them. You can see that it becomes a bit of a habit of blaming others or blaming you know, that ethereal concept of life or society for being so unkind to us. But if we have an internal locus of control, we'd still feel as though we're in control of our life. Even though all of these things, which are undesirable or or not as good as we might like them to be, rather than blaming things outside of us for the way things are, we would perhaps reflect on what we can do differently. We would acknowledge that we have the influence and power over how we respond to situations and how we respond to circumstances. So with an internal locus of control, we might ask ourselves a few questions like, What can I do to improve my relationships with people? Do I need to be more understanding and patient? Or do I need to be a bit more selective over who I allow into my life? Are there patterns in the way that I select or deselect people to be involved in my life? Have I expressed the needs I have of others clearly? Have I listened to others when they've expressed their needs from me? Do I meet them where they would like me to be as well as expecting them to be there for me? We might also think about the financial and social position. So when it comes to the financial position, do I need to look at my budget? Do I need to consider my employment situation? Do I need to consider creating an additional source of income? So that internal locus of control, rather than feeling like a victim or feeling like everything just happens to me, an internal locus of control in someone would see them assert their own influence over the circumstances in their life and the situation they find themselves in. So one is potentially blaming and one is taking ownership, taking control. Someone with an internal locus of control would really reflect constructively and objectively. But more importantly, part of being human and not concrete is they would also have compassion towards themselves and they would reflect on their past choices and their past decisions and acknowledge that they might not have always been the most beneficial decisions they've made they might have been bad decisions but they were the decisions that they made at that point in time with the information they had and the circumstances they were in they might not make those decisions again if they had their time over which they don't but they do have that time from here onwards so they'll use the past they'll use their bad decisions that they've previously made in order to inform their future decision making So that's taking things from the past that we wish we could change and using them in order to shape things for the future. That's that internal locus of control. Grabbing onto what we know and trying to make the future better because of the experience we've had, not in spite of it. Now, all this might sound like waffly mumbo jumbo. And I acknowledge that when I first sort of looked into this and heard about it and was talking about it with the psychologist I was working with at the time, it did seem a little bit ethereal. But the more I read about it, and the more I talked it over with a bunch of different people who work in the field, I came to really respect it as a psychological concept and see the, the opportunity that thinking about something like this can really have on our lives. It's a scientifically researched and evidence-supported view of how we can live our lives. Modern psychology sees our locus of control as being something that exists on a spectrum. There's no good or bad, there's just where it sits. Say it's between one and 10, one being completely external, 10 being completely internal. Most people are probably gonna sit somewhere between two and a half and eight and a half at various points in our lives, and we can sort of move backwards and forwards or left to right along that spectrum. No one is ever really fixed on a particular point in time and set there for the rest of their lives. Our locus of control can be affected by a range of things. That includes genetics, that includes life events, our overall physical health, and our overall mental well-being. But like so much of who we are as individuals, it's really shaped by our childhood years and the environment that we grow up in, the behaviours and attitudes of our primary caregivers and other responsible figures around us during those childhood years. And yes, it sounds like a bit of a cliche, or rather it is a bit of a cliche that psychologists really only ever want to ask about our childhood, but that's a really critical area of our life and our development we're going to focus on childhood development in an upcoming episode of Be Human Not Concrete so keep an ear out for that but for now back to locus of control whether we have an external or internal locus of control or wherever it sits on the spectrum in between those two points, has been found to have an impact on our education, our achievements, our physical health, our mental health, and how effectively or ineffectively we engage with society as an active citizen. To put it bluntly, where we perceive the power over our life as residing and to what degree it impacts us is enormously consequential. It affects everything. I've put together an optional exercise for you if you'd like to have a look at your own locus of control and dive a little bit deeper into it. It'll only take you about 15 minutes or so. Head to our website, heartenup.com.au forward slash podcast. And download the locus of control worksheet. Spend about 15 minutes thinking about the key questions that are on it. Jot down your thoughts. Writing helps us work things out and process them in a greater detail. So give that exercise a go if you're curious. See where your locus of control might sit. The questions and prompts that are on that worksheet come from a few different tests or scales that psychologists use in research studies and working with clients on their own locus of control. I really encourage you to reflect on where you place or perceive the power over your and your life. In this episode's toolkit I'd like to give you a couple of extra resources that might be useful or helpful for you. The first of those is called My Compass. It's developed by the Black Dog Institute here in Australia and you can access it at mycompass.org.au. It's a brief online screener or a questionnaire that'll give you a bit of an idea about whether anxiety or depression or both might be having a bit of an impact on you. Once you complete that questionnaire, it won't give you a formal diagnosis, but it will give you an idea about whether and to what degree anxiety and or depression might be something worth speaking to a mental health professional about. It also takes you through some activities, uh, some different exercises to help you look at the way you think, look at the way you respond to different situations. It's a good 101 level type of resource that can help build up knowledge and take away some of the stigma around anxiety and depression. So it's mycompass.org.au, well worth checking out or suggesting to someone if you think it could be useful for them and they're open to learning a little bit more about these things. The other resource that I'd really like to suggest to you, or strongly encourage you to take a look at, is a book by American clinical psychologist, Dr. Nicole LaPera. You might know her as the holistic psychologist. She has a very prolific social media presence. Uh, The book by Dr. LaPera is called How to Do the Work. And I found it absolutely insightful when I read this late 2022. Really opened my eyes to some of the environmental factors that can influence the way we develop and the way that we grow and the way that we carry those patterns and those habits and those response styles right throughout our life. But we can change them. We can look to understand them better. We can bring levels of compassion to ourselves that we might not have known previously that were even useful, helpful. Or healing to us. There's a lot in there about somatic therapy. There's a lot in there about understanding the different ways that uh, more professional or medicinal pharmaceutical treatments can be useful. But there are a lot of exercises that we can do and knowledge that we can build up ourselves by drawing on resources like this book that help us to get a better insight into the things that impact us and the things that go into shaping, I guess, the programming of who we are, the coding in our brain or in our mind. And those sorts of things can be edited they can be amended, they can be worked on. The book is called How to Do the Work and I can't recommend it more highly to you now i'm a bit of a geek so i generally tab color tab things that i find useful in non-fiction books and without a word of a lie that book is the one that i have tabbed more than any other in my life uh, it's quite comical seeing all the different colored flags coming out the edge of that book kind of looks a bit like everest space camp but it's really well worth having a look at a copy of this book there's a couple of other books that have come out since there's a how to do the work self workbook and dr lapera has another book coming out later this month actually which is is November 2023, and that's called How to Meet Yourself, and it's about looking at yourself within relationships. I'm really curious to read that when it comes out, and I'll give you my thoughts on that one when I do. But this episode's two resources, just to recap quickly, mycompass.org.au, and the book How to Do the Work by American psychologist Dr. Nicole LaPera. And that's our first episode of Be Human, Not Concrete. I hope you found it interesting or useful. Any and all feedback or thoughts are welcome. Podcast at heartandup.com.au Until next time, please be kind to yourself, go easy on those around you and remember to be human and not concrete.